Cloudy with a Chance of Racing, episode 17 underway here. Braxton, Jake, and Dylan with you here for a recap of everything we saw at the Gateway Worldwide Technology Raceway under the uh, shadow of the Gateway Arch and getting ready for the NASCAR Cup and Xfinity Series to head west to Wine Country, Sonoma Raceway this weekend. Jake, Dylan, how are we doing tonight? Pretty good. I thought it was a uh, pretty crazy weekend of racing Gateway. Um, talking about just a Cup Series alone on Sunday. Man, we had a lot going on. Whether it was lightning or the uh, the TV broadcast going out. We had some issues with brake rotors. Um, just a whole lot going on in, over in Portland with the Xfinity Series. Uh, we saw a fight, and we saw a little bit of everything in the in between all three series, I felt like. I agree with that. Um, I was <laughs> I had a fun weekend and fun day. I delayed the recording of our podcast because Lexington, uh, where I'm from, where I'm living, Lexington, Kentucky, hosting a regional. So all weekend long, I had my weekend pass. I was watching racing on my phone and watching baseball uh, right in front of me. So had a fun weekend doing both. Um, who knew how much uh, <laughs> it's great uh, taking up time in between at-bats at a baseball game watching NASCAR. It's my first time doing that, and uh, I enjoyed it, especially yesterday. <laughs> you might have been able to get a lap or two, uh, at least when they weren't under caution, you know, a lap or two, a green flag between an at-bat maybe. No, it, it definitely timed out that way. Nice. Well, a lot of action uh, this weekend. I guess we'll start uh, before the weekend actually happened. A absolutely enormous penalty levied against Chase Briscoe and the number 14 team found to have a counterfeit underbody part. Uh, they were fined like $120,000, I think, and then 120 car and driver points and loss of 25 playoff points. A huge infraction, a huge penalty paid by the Stuart Haas Racing 14 car. And uh, by all accounts, it sounds like they uh, they uh, were agreeable to the penalty. They admitted it. They're not challenging it. They're not disputing it. So uh, it seems like they got caught right-handed a little bit. They did, and it's it's one of those things. I'm you know I'm curious. Um, uh, first of all, we we've seen NASCAR in this year. I feel like has just dropped the hammer, and they've really set the tone with these penalties, no matter what it's been for. I mean, we, we've seen some uh, historic points and taken away suspensions, fines, uh, which is good. I, I, you know, they're, you know, they need to go by the rules and, and have standards, but what's unfortunate, I think in this whole thing is it certainly wasn't, helping the 14 car in Chase Briscoe. They've struggled mightily. And this, you know, was something we commented last week during the race. You know, there there were cars, very undervalued cars, and passing and, and, and continually outracing Stuart Haas. And, uh, but with this penalty... You know, like you just said, Braxton, they accepted it 
and they're just moving on. And, and, and Chase didn't really have a great race at all at Sunday at Gateway post-penalty. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting just to see the, the ripple effects of this. My, you know, and another question is, you know, if, if uh, could this be something that, you know, other Stuart Haas teams have, or maybe I'm sure they're double checking now, but it, it, it was an unfortunate penalty. Yeah, it definitely. Um, I think it kind of came out of nowhere in terms of you'd think somebody like the Joe Gibbs teams or the Hendrick teams would be, you know, doing something like this as Hendrick's already been caught so far. Um, the severity, I think, catches a lot of teams. Um, like you said, the ripple effects, like what, what happens now? Um, I think that teams are on high alert. And maybe that, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future with that. I know they have the break coming up in a week. Uh, so maybe teams can, you know, sit down and reevaluate uh, coming up. But um, it's such a harsh penalty uh, for a team that, you know, has been struggling um, so much so far this season. It really seems like the SHR cars overall have been uh, lacking speed really since the next-gen car came out. You know, they had some bright spots with Harvick finding some speed a couple weeks. Obviously, Briscoe had a good run at Phoenix early in the year. Um, but, like, Almirola has been mostly down, had some ups. But I, I think they've all, I think we can agree, have been more down than up for sure. And uh, it's just been not a, a great situation for them. And then this really puts them further behind the eight ball on any uh, hopes of trying to make the playoffs with the 14 car. I suppose they still are eligible for the playoffs if they can secure a win before the regular season ends. Uh, but with those, the 25 playoff points lost, um, they literally have to win every single round if they want to advance. They can't point in at all uh so they are really backs against the wall um there with the 14 camp so uh it'd be interesting to see like you said dylan how the teams kind of reevaluate you know they're always going to be looking for any little gray area in the rule book or anything they can try to do to um to find a little extra speed here and there it'll be and it will be interesting to see uh if they maybe take a step back uh as the the off week goes along and and decide is it really worth it and is there anything else we might be able to do a little bit more covertly perhaps uh to uh to find some speed in the cars we go on to the truck series race run on saturday at uh, worldwide technology raceway there at gateway grant infinger comes away with a uh out of nowhere win a little bit after uh, it was Ty Majeski and Zane Smith uh, getting into each other and effectively taking each other out and handing the win right to uh, Infinger. That's uh, two wins now for Infinger. He's really uh, finding his way back into some uh, winning ways. I, I wouldn't say that Infinger backed into it. He did leave lead 65 laps, but uh, he, he was definitely uh, gifted a little bit of track position there towards the end with uh, Smith and Majeski colliding. But still, uh, it's now two wins on the year for Grant Infinger in very short succession. 
and uh, he seems to be the hottest driver in the truck series right now. Definitely. Uh, he won the $50,000 bonus in this race uh, for the uh, triple truck challenge. And, you know, six, 65 laps, like you said, that's, you know, certainly a great, another great run. I look at a few others uh, as we look at, you know, the finishing order for this race and another guy um that man is really I, I i think and we had a deep discussion about him last week that's having a great run is matt to benedetto he finishes sixth uh he's really coming on in that 25 truck and hats off to him as well and it's a lot of chevys up front and uh one of them as well finishing fourth carson hosevar in as we'll get to his story in the cup in a second, um, I thought he, overall his whole entire weekend at Gateway was really positive and not another top five finish there in the trucks. Yeah, this was, uh, I thought, a pretty entertaining race. I think the trucks always put on a pretty good show there at uh, at Gateway. Um, but, yes, Green and Finger, kind of one of those guys that um, – well, first, I'd like to say there are a lot of guys showing speed early on in that race, too, um, from, you know, Crafton, showing a little speed. Um, and then, of course, you know, Infinger at the end there. But uh, I I think it's good for the Truck Series to have, you know, one of these guys that's just, you know, you think of Grand Infinger, you think of the Truck Series, uh, to have him get the win and kind of hitting a stride is uh, good for the series, I think, for sure. So a big win there for Infinger in the 23 truck. Uh, also on Saturday afternoon was the Xfinity Series out west in Portland, Oregon. I have to make mention before we get too far into that, a uh, what an effort and what a, a great job of everybody come together to make a, a bad situation a little less bad to get the Alpha Prime vehicles out to Portland after they had literally every issue you could imagine with their trucks and trailers. Uh, on the trek west from Charlotte out to Portland, getting their haulers out there. Uh, haulers finally rolled in late on Friday afternoon uh, after many, many uh, trials and tribulations. So a uh, big shout out to those folks for working hard to get the truck cars to the track. And then uh, everybody else who jumped in to help them as well. And uh, in the race, it was really dominated by Sheldon Creed and Justin Allgaier, but it was Cole Custer coming coming away with the win. And uh, he also got a stage win in that race as well. Uh, but I think the big story there was uh, the scrap between uh, Custer and Creed. Uh, they were both giving each other the bumper quite a bit uh, in the later stages of that race. I, it's, I thought it was, uh, as far as, you know, entertainment goes, and uh, we say time and time again, the Xfinity series, that was really fun. Portland is is definitely a very interesting track as far as the layout goes. I mean, it, it's not, you know, it, I, I don't know if you can say an ordinary road course or whatnot, just something that you usually see in the Cup Series, which we don't. We don't see Portland. So it's, it's all it's fun to watch. Uh, the Xfinity at, at Portland 
just because we we don't get to see the track that often in the in NASCAR. But um, <clears throat> this race had had a little bit of everything. I thought Cole Custer, that's a big win for him and for Ford. I mean, we talk about the struggles on the Cup side with Stuart Haas Racing and you know and Ford in general not having the greatest season and here is Cole Custer there at the end. Uh, we saw uh, Jeb Burton <laughs> and uh, Chandler Smith get into it um, at the end after the race and some social media chatter about that um, Xfinity series. I mean, it's, it's, it's must watch TV if you're a racing fan. Yeah, um, the end of that race was crazy. I think Portland also, you know, we obviously we had the rain um, in the past there. Uh, but this race I thought was entertaining. I was actually able to catch a, more of this race than the truck race. And honestly, um, I was pretty entertained by it. Um, I think, you know, with Justin Allgaier there at the end, uh, once again, uh, you know, Junior Motorsports has been kind of struggling this season. But uh, they did run well there, um, and uh, Allgaier almost pulled it off for them. But um, Custer, good for him. You know, that's got to be tough going from, you know, having a cup ride, getting a win in the cup series, and then, you know, you know not having a ride anymore, and now, you know, being in the Xfinity series and not doing as well as I think um, I'll take a lot of people expected him to do so it's got to be a big confidence boost for him i think that's uh it'll be interesting to see you know momentum's the thing and he's got a little bit of it now so let's see how he can do with it you mentioned jake a little bit of the uh scrap between chandler smith and jeb burton uh more so between the teams i think it was a colleague crew member who ended up putting jeb burton in a headlock um, I think Jeb has proven that he is willing to throw hands if he is roughed up on the racetrack in a way that he doesn't like. Uh, he had some some words, and I think it was very close to uh, throwing some hands against Noah Gregson last year. Um, Jeb's just a guy that won't take any uh, silly business off anybody. And uh, so entertaining to see that for sure. Um, I think it's very interesting... Uh, in the Xfinity series, I watched a lot of the practice and qualifying uh, and, and saw in there that when they were putting together fast laps, cars were literally carrying front tires, the inside front tires clear up in the air by four or five, six inches uh, going around some of the sharp corners there at Portland. And I have to say, I've never seen that in a, a NASCAR vehicle. I, I've seen cars get some air underneath the tire, you know, if they hit a curb, these guys weren't even hitting the curb. They were just you know, having the anti-roll bar so loosened up that they were rolling around all over the place. And uh, it was it was very interesting to see that. You see that out of uh, Robbie Gordon Stadium Super Truck Series that runs as a support series for a lot of sports car races and uh, IndyCar races here in the States. And they go overseas to Australia as well. Uh, you see that a lot in those vehicles because it's really just like an off-road truck running on a road course. But you don't see that out of a, uh, out of a NASCAR car at all. No, just just another element to what I you know that makes Portland what it is, and and how cool it was to see this series go out there again, and 
heck, they go back-to-back on the road course. So uh, I, I shouldn't say a short trip, but they get to the, – those teams get to stay out west and make the trip down the coast to Sonoma. So – yeah, the the Scott didn't really talk about the scuffle, but um, I was in a once is a quick story. I was in a uh, suite at Martinsville um, the year of COVID, so it was a lot cheaper to get a suite pass than <laughs> than what it typically is. So I just you know kind of spoiled myself, wanted to go on a trip by myself, and, and got in the suite with uh, Jeb Burton's girlfriend and her family um who at the time i don't know jeb burton's you know love life so i don't know if they're still together or what but he was a local he was a uh, local short track racer his girlfriend's dad so um and he i talked to him all weekend long and i would not want to mess with him and you know obviously the burton family where jeb comes from ward himself I wouldn't want to mess with Jeff. So <laughs> I think that was interesting. Um, like you guys said, I think he showed that, you know, don't mess with me. <laughs> well, uh, Jeb's family, you know, the Burtons are from South Boston, very, not very far from Martinsville at all. So you call them a uh, local short track heroes as well. That's right. Yep. And then Ch- so. Chandler about the whole thing, then, you know, that happened. And, <clears throat> excuse me. Chandler Smith got- <clears throat> I need a drink of water. Chandler Smith kind of uh, took to social media and posted this goofy video. Um, that oh, that was people hilarious. Are liking. Um, you know, Jeb. Jeb didn't really make contact with Chandler in this, but, um, you know, set, tweeted out some things. And then, you know, Chandler tweets back with this video. You have to go on his Twitter page to see it. But it was uh, a little bit of a. Uh, little bit of a, a pushback there by Chandler online and we'll see where it goes from here. So uh, definitely an interesting weekend and, and on another road course that is very possible that Chandler and Jeb could find each other uh, again on the uh, lefts and rights of Sonoma. Uh, nice that I think the Xfinity series gets to stay out West for a week. I know it's tough on the teams to not be at their shops and such, uh, but it, a 621 mile trip between tracks sure beats driving all the way back to Charlotte or even trying to, to make arrangements to meet somewhere halfway because it's still a long way to go for the truckers uh, during the week. Uh, So nice to see that they'll have a short trip to Sonoma this weekend where they'll join up with the Arca West and the cup series there in wine country. Let's move on to the cup race uh, where a, I think one of the highlights we have to talk about of the weekend, or maybe it's a low light, depending on how you look at it. Um, I'd say a, a disappointing performance is a, uh, understatement for Corey LaJoy subbing for Chase Elliott in the nine car. Yeah. It, and you, you know, I guess depending on if you're a fan of, of Corey or not, um, some people are, are disappointed and, uh, it is, it is disappointing for Corey, and I don't want to say that, you know, you shouldn't judge someone by, by one race, but um, it, it's hard not to because just because he's in the nine and Hendrick Motorsports. And this is kind of something that 
Corey has, you know, has his stacking pennies podcast. He's played the underdog role well, gained a lot of fans by it, and has, you know, in the past said some things, you know, you know, with about his, you know, lesser equipment compared to some other guys. Gets a shot here. Wasn't really in contention at all, um, you know, throughout the weekend. It looked like in practice and in qualifying wasn't really up to par. Uh, you know, Kyle Larson, his team, his teammate this week, Kyle Larson and William Byron, were up towards the front, top 10, top 5-ish. Um, you know, Larson really did well towards the end of this race. but um, And Alex Bowman was up there as well before a late race incident, and actually LaJoy finished better than Bowman. But, yeah, you would have liked to see more. Um, it's It'll be really interesting to see, you know, where where LaJoy goes, especially after this year. He, he's done well. And I'll, another storyline, <clears throat> uh, it, it was, I felt like it was on pace to be huge, was Carson Hosevar in the seven for him. Before his issue that knocked him out of the race, he was running better than Corey, which would have been a crazy storyline coming out of it if it actually finished that way. There was a couple of moments where Ty Dillon, Corey's normal teammate was out running Corey LaJoy. Yeah, not good. Yeah, definitely not good. I will say that it was kind of evident early on that him and Larson were on a similar strategy uh, in terms of, like, not a similar strategy, but a similar setup where Byron and Bowman were showing a lot more speed early on in this race than, um, I was about to say Chase Elliott, than um, <laughs> Larson. And Corey LaJoy. But I think that the timing of this whole losing um, losing the data really hurt, I think, Corey LaJoy a lot because he doesn't have as much, you know, chemistry um, in terms of in the car with uh, the crew chief there. So I think that that ended up hurting them in the end. It took them a longer time to figure out the adjustments he needed than, say, Larson. And obviously Cliff Daniels with their relationship. So uh, I don't want to make like excuses for Corey, but I think that certainly didn't help. Obviously he was struggling early on. Um, the car was not what he was um, wanting and what he had a good feel for. So um, I, I just wanted to add that in there that I think that that kind of really hurt them more so than others. Yeah, it's really fair there. Um, it, it definitely affected everybody. Uh, but there, there's a valid point there with a new relationship there. Uh, it's very difficult to, uh, uh, to, to get a, a good chemistry going and, and make the right adjustments. Uh, but uh, even, even that aside, you still have to say that Corey has been in next-gen cars for as long as anybody has been in a next-gen car, right? So he knows how, you know... The, the tools that he has to work with, you know, how the car should feel for him to go fast. Alan Gustafson is still a very smart crew chief and you'd think should know and figure out how to, to make the car, you know, work better for Corey. No, that's a good point. I agree with that for sure. So uh, it certainly is frustrating. And, and 
given the the chemistry thing aside, you know, you mentioned that Larson was struggling early in the race as well. They figured it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I don't think it's a quote unquote death sentence for Corey LaJoy, but I don't think he did himself any favors. Conversely, Carson Hosevar was running really well, had a strong qualifying and, and was running really good in the race until he was the first victim of brake rotor failure. And, uh, and you have to remember that was Carson's first time in a cup series car. And he was handily outrunning Corey LaJoy for the entire time they were on the track at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hosevar got up into the teens. Um, Honestly, he was passing more cars than anyone early on in the race. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and he was and rightfully so, I mean, he was the center of the broadcast and that this was like, and it, it really was captivating to see you know, what exactly he was doing. Um, and it, it just, I liked him on restarts. He was, you know, yeah. doing the Michael McDowell <laughs> from North Wilkesboro, just right around the top. It's, it's, I, uh, you heard, and we got to Steve's not here, but we got to make our, uh, Denny Hamlin podcast reference and, and Denny really uh, had a lot of good things to say about Carson um, and the impression that he's made. And I mean, he's, he's a team owner and uh, I think, you know, coming out of the weekend, even though you look at the results and, you know, Carson, unfortunately finishing last uh, because of the uh, brake rotor issue, but I think it, I mean, his stock is going up even though his unfortunate finish. Yeah, I, I think it's great for his brand. Um, the way Dale Jr. was tweeting him about him after the race, you'd think he, he might offer him a ride next year. <laughs> Just throw that out there. He might have get himself an Xfinity ride. Who knows? But, um, you know, there's been a little controversy with him with how he races sometimes in the truck series. He's aggressive. Uh, but he's got a good personality, and I think at the end of the day, we need more drivers like him, and it, I'm happy that he, he saw success. Yeah, a couple of points I want to... Until, wanna... you know, it break failure. <laughs> right, right. A couple of points I want to make there is, one, um, he has had some issues in the truck series with how he's raced and uh, some of the, the poor decisions he's made with kind of trying to alter the race to benefit himself. A lot of people point out and say that's race manipulation, you know, with the recent you know, things that happened with Denny Hamlin. Um, I do think, though, just in the way that, that he has talked and kind of carried himself in the last few weeks, you know, since he made his Xfinity Series debut with Spire, I think it was supposed to be at Dover, but with um, the threat of rain and ultimately it did rain and canceled qualifying at Dover, they didn't have any owner points to fall back on. So he made his Xfinity debut at... Um, Darlington ran the Xfinity race at Charlotte last week, had a really good run there and just a second time in the Xfinity car and then gets the opportunity to run the cup car. I can kind of tell that, that this is a big kind of maturing waking up moment for him. And and he, he's definitely has been carrying himself very well in the last few weeks. So I've been impressed by that. You also mentioned Dylan, uh, the Dale jr. Connection there. And I think it's worth noting that I am, 90% 90% sure that the Spire Xfinity car is a chassis prepared by JRM. So he's effectively in a fifth JRM car 
just yeah. fire as the the listed owner. So uh, I, I'd say, you know, Dale Jr., you know, if he sees somebody running towards the front in one of his cars, he knows what kind of driver that is. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, you want somebody to replace uh, the Noah Gregson that you had with Dale Jr. I think he could be a personality that could, you know, maybe not be quite on Noah's level in terms of interaction, uh, but be pretty close. I think it's as close as it gets with a young driver. And if rumor holds, uh, there could be a a car number eight uh, that is vacant at JRM next year. Yep. Uh, On to the the race results itself, though. Um, A big uh, win for Kyle Busch, winning from the pole. He uh, he hadn't won from the pole, and he hadn't had a pole in a very long time, and then wins from the pole, really dominated the race, leading 121 laps. Uh, Ryan Blaney led uh, 83 laps, and then the only other leaders the entire race were Reddick, Early on, I think, in a, a cycle, and then William Byron led 30 laps. Oh, and Larson led a few laps as well there at the end. Um, but overall, a domination, dominating race by Kyle Busch. Uh, Larson, on those two tires, w- was giving Busch all the grief he could stand on the restarts and just couldn't get it done there at the end. Kind of cr- I mean, it's for me, you know, Kyle Busch, Gets his third win. Uh, it's kind of crazy to think about. You know, he he hasn't been the most dominant all year, but when he is in the situation to win the race, he has been cleaning them up on the track. And the, this was one of those weeks leading 121 laps. Um, and and Dylan kind of called this at the beginning of the year this this season coming from Kyle Busch in eight in RCR. Um, I mean, what, what can you say? I, I think that, um, you look down at the race results, Ryan Blaney leading 83 and it was kind of, it was pretty much between Blaney and Bush and, and, uh, on these restarts and, um, you know, the Bush had, had some really good stops, uh, Blaney coming off his Coke 600 win, another great result in when you look at the regular season points, Blaney is leading uh, the whole thing, you know. Um, but, hey, on the other hand of – and I, I don't, you know, looking down at the results here, on the other hand with RCR, uh, you're on the struggle bus right now this season with Austin Dillon. I, I mean, you, you couldn't be worlds apart, I think with two teammates in the same organization with, with the results we're seeing between Kyle Bush and Austin Dillon. Yeah. Um, I thought the way the race kind of turned out, um, just showing that, that Kyle Bush is kind of back to his old self where he, you know, obviously was very dominant early and then, you know, got, a little bit down in the running order at times when, you know, pitch strategy was coming into play and stuff. But at the end of the day, he was, you know, hitting his marks on every restart at the end of the race, like old Kyle Bush has always, you know, done um, outside of his, you know, last last year or two with, with Gibbs where, you know, kind of looked like he might be losing it. But that's completely out of the window now. He's He uh, proved that 
in some races, he doesn't have to have the best car and he could still win. And then when he does have the best car, he finds ways to win. That's Kyle Busch. We all, you know, you know, grew up watching. So, um, I think it's, uh, it was impressive. I like to hear Richard Childress's comments after, you know, it seems like they have a great relationship with each other, um, with a lot of people doubting that early on. Um, I think he's kind of, you know, putting the RCR on his back right now and carrying them. Yesterday was 12 years to the day since the hold my watch accident. Yeah. <laughs> I so. think also too impressive 25 wins um, at 31 tracks he's raced at. That's, you know, that's really impressive. It really is for sure. Before um, they started adding all the tracks, he was, you know, <laughs> this guy, oh, I got one at this track. He won at every single track. And oh, now yeah. he's not going to have a chance, obviously, probably again to run the Daytona road course. But he or can road pick America. up a couple more. Yeah, or Road America. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you guys remember uh, the the games Where in the World is Carmen San Diego back when we were younger? Uh, I do it might not be a little obscure. That. Okay. Uh, for our older audience, um, there is an old saying called "Where's Waldo?" Uh, I or you just find, trying to find a character. I'm wondering where in the world is Ross Chastain? Yeah, he has fallen off the map in the last few weeks. Especially what I heard post practice from him was that he was happy with his car. Um, he showed decent practice speed and then he just had nothing in the race. You know, we had a lot of comers and goers towards the end, but he was nowhere to be found outside of, you know, frustrating Michael McDowell <laughs> early on. And uh, his teammate, Daniel Suarez, is is really keeping up the pace. Uh, he, he had another great run, but I don't I, – I mean, I don't think that he's, you know – losing his aggression or the way he races by any means uh, with some of the pressure that's certainly been on him here the, all, almost all this season. And, but it, it's, it's a good question. Where has he been? And he's been in the mid twenties. I feel like a lot of people are talking about, uh, Oh, this is the going back to the same place that the Ross and Denny, feud began and it was like is it going to happen again and honestly they were never rarely close enough at all to make anything happen if he wanted to um so it'd be interesting to see uh if ross chastain is able to get that fire going again in the one car um it's it's not a great look for uh the team or a great result for the team when he finishes sandwiched between an underperforming Corey LaJoy and Harrison Burton. That's not where you'd expect a guy in the final four uh, from last year to finish the race. Uh, and it, he didn't just finish there. He ran in that, in that neighborhood all race long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a struggle for him, for sure. I think a couple more items we have to talk about with Gateway. Uh, first, the uh, Austin Cendrick versus Austin Dillon feud. The Austins. Uh, having a uh, a bit of a disagreement there. Uh, Richard Childress saying after the race that Cindric intentionally wrecked Dylan. Um, I'm not sure that uh, I, I saw what was, you know, for sure one person or the other there, but um, certainly some inflammatory comments, uh, you know, kind of the highest of highs and a little bit of lowest lows for Richard Childress. 
Mm-hmm. This, I mean, and this comes just days after the Elliot suspension came down. I mean, is this, and you look at some angles of the replay of this, then you can look at the data that came back, which is something that Denny mentioned today. Data that Denny. It, it, it looked like that, according to him in the, in the data, that it, it might have been intentional. I mean, he turned, made a hard left out of nowhere on, on the straight. But is this something, you know, that's going to happen every week now, now that, you know, there's been some, you know, a couple suspensions in the, in the last, uh, last year and in, in this year and a lot more of this talks about intentionally wrecking people. I just wonder if this is an occurrence that will happen week to week. Now, do I think that Cindric will be penalized? I don't. Um, the two that we've seen, you know, suspended have been at tracks where you're going, I don't know, 30, 40 miles an hour faster on the straights away. And those were real hard hooks, but I could be wrong, but uh, I don't see much coming out of this this week. I don't, it could be a cold take. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I don't think it's getting the traction, nearly the traction. I don't think it was a, you know, what Austin Dillon is claiming it to be. Uh, one thing I like to say, though, is crazy the contact that was being made with these safer barriers, that accident being one of them, jarring them all loose, uh, was, was kind of a little bit concerning to me, um, I think. Yeah, and that's a good segue into the other thing we really need to head on here before we wrap up our discussion on Gateway was the brake rotors, uh, many brake rotors failing. Uh, it was all right fronts uh, giving away in the cup race yesterday. Uh, and, and that's concerning. Uh, the, um, yeah, the, the, the story, you know, from pit lane was that, you know, they, they built a lot of heat breaking for the corners and then they have the long straightaways um, to that the, the rotors cool off and, and that the heat cycles, are what kill them. These are steel rotors. They're all single source supplier. Uh, so, um, but the steel is more susceptible to the heat fluctuations and say a carbon ceramic break is like they run in formula one. So that is definitely interesting. And one thing I pointed out to you guys yesterday in the chat was um, like the straightaways at, at gateway are about 1900 feet long. The straightaways at the Indianapolis motor speedway on the oval are 3,300 feet long. There's been a lot of talk about the, the next-gen car going back to the IMS Oval next year. After what I saw yesterday, they don't need to do it unless they get some carbon ceramic brakes going. Yeah, I mean, these these were nasty wrecks yesterday. And we've seen, um, and, and Dylan mentioned this too in, in our conversation yesterday about it, a track like, Pocono as well. I mean, we've already seen wrecks just like this at these bigger tracks, and I it is an issue. And it, it was, you know, one happened yesterday. You're thinking, okay, and then it continued to happen all the way uh, until the very end when it got Bubba 
um, as he was fighting for a top 10 and it got, you know, 23, 11 was, was snake bitten yesterday by it. But remind me real quick, was Stenhouse a break rotor failure or was that another Stenhouse, accident? Uh, I believe there Stenhouse are four. Was, I believe that the, it was Bubba, Noah, Reddick and Hosevar for sure. Yeah. It wasn't Stenhouse okay. collected in a crash. Sinhouse was, was collected in, in, in the Austin, in the Austin Dillon. Dillon. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Yep. And well, yeah. I mean, and speaking of Stenhouse, I mean, hats off to him on the run they've been. Speed. That's yeah. That's really bad luck for them. For sure. So I was just counting. I was counting that through because aside from that one scrap and that one incident between Austin Dillon, it took Austin Dillon and Ricky Stenhouse out. You know, and Austin Cindric was involved, but kept on going. Every other caution for a wreck in that race yesterday was a blown brake rider. Well, outside of the McDowell's early on. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yep. He got rust. <laughs> oh, uh, and I suppose and, the early caution, too. But, and, yes, Reed but, Sorensen, I guess, I guess Gray Golding. Yeah. I, I, okay. Uh, let me clarify that, then. Every wreck that had contact with a wall. Yeah. Aside from aside from the Dylan Centric Stenhouse incident, was a uh, was a brake rotor failure. Yeah. Not a great look. No, but I will say it's kind of you know something we haven't really heard an issue we haven't heard of before. It reminds me a little bit, and obviously this it's not as you know. Um, this wasn't quite as dangerous, but with the whole the tires go flat. You can't drive that whole debacle was fixed pretty quickly. Um, the fires inside the cars have been fixed. That issue has been fixed pretty quickly. So hopefully, uh, this can get resolved before Pocono, before in Indianapolis or something like that. Yeah, totally. So, uh, a big win for Kyle Bush there in the, uh, cup race yesterday, the cup series heads to Sonoma this weekend. Before we get into our Sonoma talk, get to our picks. Let's get some pop-up showers, shall we, Jake? Sure, let's do it. Anything that we've seen on social media that doesn't necessarily pertain to the results of the races every weekend. Uh, I have I have two, and I'll, I'll do these here quick. One was just going back to the Denny Hamlin Bracket Challenge, and we're getting to the championship race this week, and it's between Brad Keselowski and William Byron. Um, certainly, uh, William was one of the favorites. Braxton and I, even though the rest of our bracket has gone down the drain, Braxton and I both had Byron winning. Um, and it shows you, you know, a type of run that a certain driver's on. Keselowski is in the championship in this. Um, and that, that says something about the seats and he's having. Um, and then another one, my... Uh, and battling yesterday, I will say Brad battled yesterday. Yeah. He had a bad, bad car. He figured it out a little bit. Certainly, yeah. And my my one B pop up shower, if you will, and I just wanted to get your guys' quick thoughts. The, the NASCAR announced that Phoenix Raceway will get the championship weekend again in 2024, November 1st to the 3rd. Uh, you know. Phoenix, it, it's no secret uh, as far as the race product wise, uh, Phoenix has had struggles. 
Yeah, I'm not. Uh, a I think huge it's fan just paying for that facility is what they're doing. There's no other. There's no other reasoning for it. No, no, yeah. I'm right with it with you. The only thing that I think you know would make it, it would kind of move the needle for me is if the the softer tire they're going to run next month at uh at um New Hampshire, if that is a, a resounding success and they decide okay we're taking it to Phoenix, then that might help some, but. Um, but yeah, you're right, Dylan. That there's no real reason to to do that. It, it's, and if you're going to do it at a track like that, rather you know, it's, this wouldn't be popular. But I would rather have it at Richmond than Phoenix, just because of how close it is to the base fan. I, mean, I think at Richmond would still be packed. Yeah. And it would if you're gonna have, be, if you're gonna have a flat, shorter track with no passing, you don't have to go to the other side of the country for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dylan, what's your uh, pop-up shower for this My week? My pop-up shower, I'm a week late with this because I was you know, a kickball championship last week. Um, fell in that kickball championship, sadly. But we made a run as the bottom seed and almost pulled off a miracle. But um, I understand you know, there are logistics out of NASCAR's control, out of you know, the Smith family's control. But... It's impressive to see the TV ratings and the popularity of racing in the Ohio Valley and the fact that we don't have a track that can that can support these fans at NASCAR level. IndyCar, NASCAR fans, I think, have a lot of crossover in this area of the country where the IndyCar top five um, locations in terms of the ratings, four of the five of them surround Kentucky Speedway. Yet yeah, we are not racing there. They had great crowds the last couple of years they were there. Yes, I'm biased because I'm in Kentucky, but um, with a, the success that we've seen on the mile-and-a-half tracks with this car and this package, I think a lot of people would have a great time on a Saturday night at Kentucky in the middle of the summer like we've had in the past. That's very fair. And and, and the Indy 500 was very, it was very well attended. It was highly rated. Yep. A lot of people watched it. And like you said, so many of those top markets were right there around attractive. And Louisville, Louisville was in the top five for NASCAR ratings last year. Um, Louisville was in the Louisville TV market was in the top five. Dayton's always running pretty high, and Knoxville's short drive up seventy five to get to Kentucky Speedway. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just frustrating to see that that track's just sitting there going to waste. And it's not like Chicagoland where they have plans for the grounds. This has no plans. <laughs> It's like they're loaning the it's they're on lease to um like I believe a four or some kind of motor company that has trucks yep. there. It's it's the same thing at uh Chicagoland right now. So I saw a video from uh NHRA top fuel driver Clay Milliken who ended up winning the race at uh at Route sixty six raceway, which is it's the drag strip right next to Chicagoland Speedway. And he took a peek over into uh the NASCAR track. And the whole infield is full of parked vehicles, I think, from from manufacturing issues during COVID. Yeah, I just that's got to be frustrating, especially like a lot of these tracks have taxpayer money that went into, you know, you know, building the facilities and stuff like that to just have these places just go to waste after not a long time. You know, IndyCar, NASCAR both were at, at Kentucky. I, I don't I'm not really in the business of like guaranteeing many things because I, I know anything can happen, but I will guarantee you one thing that will not be said out of Dale Jr.'s mouth 
on Fourth of July weekend when the uh, NASCAR Cup Series is racing at Chicago uh, Street Course. He will not be yelling "slide job, slide job" at a <laughs> epic finish between Kyle Busch and Kyle Larson. No, that's that's true. I will my, say if it, if a race ever comes to Kentucky, I will be having the time of my life there uh, all week long. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we know where to find Dylan, and we'll know why he's not on the podcast uh, after that race. <laughs> it will be a couple days to recover for sure. <laughs> my uh, my pop up shower goes across the pond over to France. Of course, uh, next weekend is the twenty four hours of Le Mans, and that means this weekend, this past weekend, while NASCAR was at Gateway in Portland. The uh, the sports cars were getting a uh, their first practice sessions on the Le Mans course, and that includes the Garage 56 entry uh, with NASCAR and Hendrick Motorsports. The um, first session they were right about on par with the GTE cars uh, in the 356 time bracket, and then in the uh, second session. Mike Rockenfeller, one of the three drivers, of course, it's Rocky, um, Jensen Button, and Jimmy Johnson, the three drivers that will pilot the uh, Garage 56 entry. Uh, Rockenfeller set a time of 3 minutes, 53 seconds, uh, 0.76, which was about two and a quarter seconds faster than the fastest GTE car of that same session. So uh, it looks like the Garage 56 entry isn't going to be a total moving chicane at Le Mans this, uh, this coming weekend for 24 hours. Looks like they'll be quite a few seconds ahead of the GTE cars, kind of slotting in between the uh, the the slowest of the prototypes, the LMP2s, and then the uh, and and then ahead of the the GTE cars, of course, uh, that resemble more of your uh, street going sports cars, Ferrari, Aston Martin, etc. So uh, exciting to see. The Garage 56 Century uh, putting some fast laps together in in practice there in France. I saw some video clips, uh, no full laps or anything, but some some flybys on the front straight and a couple of clips of the final corners before the the, the front straight and then uh, the first couple of corners heading back out into the town and uh, and it certainly looked like the car was very stable. Um, they weren't sliding. They had a lot of a lot of grip, a lot of downforce, and look really, really fast. So I'm excited to see how they do this coming weekend as they go twice around the clock uh, across the pond in uh, West Central France. I uh, also have to give a shout out. Uh, the uh, the streets of Detroit, nearby here where I live, uh, hosted the Detroit Grand Prix this weekend. IndyCar was the main attraction, but they had Indy next. The uh, IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge, so... Uh, some GT cars were there and Trans Am was there as well. And did you guys see the video clip of the BMW that went up and over in Aston Martin during the, uh, the Michelin, uh, pilot challenge race? It was insane. Yeah, the car just went up and over and then drove off. <laughs> I, I thought the whole, I, you know, um, in the cup series was in that lightning delay and, and, I'm sure the, a lot of fans flipped it right to the IndyCar race at, at Detroit. I thought the the racing was was great the whole weekend, no matter what you know who what was uh, being driven on the course, and it was really really cool to see that in type of event in Detroit. 
Yeah, I think the story about how they got back to the streets of Detroit, pretty cool. I kind of mentioned that on my Motorsports Monday segment uh, that I have now on my local TV station. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a great deal there. Um, they had several free viewing areas, so they, they obviously sold some tickets um, uh, to, to some grandstands they put up around the course. They had some suites, some chalets. They even brought in some of the chalets that normally surround the 16th hole, the party hole at the uh, TPC Scottsdale where the Waste Management Open is held, the PGA Tour event. So they brought some of those in, put them right down the pit lane. But they also had some free viewing areas where you could go up on top of like a parking garage. You could go on a couple of different platforms and see some great action. Uh, one final note on the Detroit GP. Uh, the guy who finished second in the race, Will Power, made a new best friend this weekend. None other than Flavor Flav. I had no idea who was in town for it. And uh turns out he is becoming a fast IndyCar fan. So uh, lots to be excited about here in the Motor City uh, on the open wheel front the sports car front, and then, of course, uh, later on in August, uh, the NASCAR stars will come to the Mitten just uh, about an hour and a half west of here in Brooklyn at the Michigan International Speedway. Let's get to our real and random picks from last week. Uh, in our actual picks, it was a really good day for us overall. Uh, Jake wins the day with a fourth-place finish from Kyle Larson. I finished second with a fifth place from Martin Truex Jr., and then Steve was third with a tw- uh, sixth place from uh, from Ryan Blaney. You know, if their third place guy is finishing sixth with Blaney, that's uh, a pretty good week. And then Dylan, your guy Ross Chastain, we said it earlier, where in the world is he? Finishing 22nd, gaining only 20 points. And that, uh, that hurts your cause in the standings. That's a 30-point swing gives the lead right back to Steve in the season-long standing. Steve at 510 points. Dylan, you're 19 points behind at 491. Uh, I have 457. And Jake cracks the 400-point mark. Uh, So, Dylan, you get to go first. Who is your uh, pick on our real picks for this weekend at Sonoma? I'm going Chase Elliott. Um, Takes a lot to light a fire under him. And I think this whole ordeal, debacle, him, you know, kind of showing a side we haven't really seen from him. I think he uh, releases his frustration with a with a boring, dominating win. It's a uh, smart pick. He's been really good on the road courses the last several years. Uh, Steve isn't with us tonight, unfortunately. He has texted us and said that he wants Tyler Reddick. So a... Uh, uh, another pretty solid road course driver going there uh, in the ran, or real picks. Excuse me. Uh, I'm going to kind of go off the wall a little bit. I'm going to go with the guy who has shown more speed this year throughout the whole season than he has in his entire career so far. And he's been a very good road racer. I'm going Michael McDowell this weekend at Sonoma. Uh, put it down. The 34 car is going to have a good run this weekend in wine country. Uh, that leaves Jake going last for uh, more times than he's had. Uh, he's on a little streak here of going uh, going last, except for um, the Chase Elliott deal at yeah. Charlotte that cost him yeah. uh, dearly. But who are you going with the Sonoma this week? Well, kind of going back and forth. Um, 
I'll go back-to-back weeks of picking Kyle Larson, which makes me nervous because he just had a good finish, so it'll probably end up on the wrecker. Uh, but yeah, I've my picks this year. I've I've had a oh man, three or four or five finishes in the thirties, absolute wreckers. Um, but you have four Kyle, thirty plus finishes. Yes. Yeah, not good. But uh, Kyle Larson, you know, he's he's good uh, at a lot of tracks, uh, road courses that you know he's usually up there with the Elliots and Reddicks of the world, and we'll see what happens. So Jake has Kyle Larson, Dylan has Chase Elliott, Steve has Tyler Reddick, and I have Michael McDowell. Let's go to our random picks uh, where we all had, uh, we all were very close. Uh, Dylan, Steve, and I were very close back to back to back and finish. And surprisingly, Jake leads the way with a 15th place finish from Todd Gilliland. Let's go. I, gotta say, I did not expect that. Uh, I will say, Dylan, you got kind of robbed because Bowman uh, had a major issue on that last restart and dropped like a rock, um, finishing 26. But he was running much better than that all day, uh, and I think would have taken the top spot in our uh, in our finishes for this week had that not happened. And then uh, I was I was snake bit by Brad K getting the uh, having a sour engine all day as well. So not a great day for us, uh, but. I have to say that 15th place from Todd Gilliland gets Jake out of the cellar. He is not last in our random picks anymore. Congratulations, Jake. I'm going to yes, do congrats, Jake. He, uh, what, what you can't see, <laughs> listener, is uh, a little bit ago uh, when Jake w- was was he said he was thirsty, needed some water. He came back and sat down uh, with a little white cup that he claims is water, but uh, I swear it, it was probably whiskey or tequila or whatever his shot of, of choice is. Got to celebrate. Uh, exactly. Got to celebrate. It's getting late. He was, he was washing his mouth out. It's mouthwash. Uh, <laughs> we'll put it that way. Sure. Uh, so I, I, I still lead the way with, uh, with 462 points in random. Uh, Dylan is at 372. Jake, Third at 307, Steve uh, just one point south of the 300 mark at 299 with the 28th place finish this past week with Brad Kozlowski. That means I go first and I will give the wheel a spin. See who I have here on the lefts and rights of Sonoma. Uh, and this could be good or bad. Ross Chastain. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, that's an interesting Interesting uh, spin right there. He, he did win at Coda. His teammate, Daniel Suarez, won this race last year. Uh, could be a good finish there for Ross if he shows up like he has not the last couple weeks. Steve goes next after he got a 27th place finish from BJ McLeod. Uh, let's see who Steve gets. Oh, Steve with an interesting one here. He gets the 22, Joey Logano. Dang, this is a stacked... Yeah, Joey always pick them so far. Yeah, you know, you know uh, what's coming though for for one of us now. Dylan, yeah. you're up next. The wheel is going to Rick Ware Racing. Um, it was on the 51, and then it just ticked over to the 78. Well. Although I will say, um, <laughs> I think they're going to have Balicki in the car this week. I don't uh-huh. think it's uh, it's BJ. So you might get a couple spots there. Yeah. 
And then for Jake, going last in random this week, who does Jake get? Uh, Jake gets uh, one of the surprises of the, surprises of the season, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'd say Road Courts is far from his forte, but uh, stranger things have happened. So Jake gets Stenhouse. Dylan gets the 78 car, which I believe is Josh Balicki this week. Uh, I get uh, Ross Chastain, and Steve gets Joey Logano. Uh, guys, what do we think uh, about the upcoming um, Sonoma race? I have to say, from my perspective, I am uh, thankful that uh, it's finally a race where uh, a road course race where, where you're actually going to have some respect going into turn one instead of just total carnage. Mm-hmm. A traditional, you know, one, yeah. Sonoma's always, you know, a track that's been on the, the Cup Series schedule for a long time. I'm lo- really looking forward to it. It's also, uh, it marks the last race for Fox. And it, it seems, you know, when it switches to NBC, that always, you know, indicates to me, hey, the playoffs are right around the corner. The summer's heating up. We'll see what everyone has here midsummer. And I think it's going to be a ratings, darling, too, because there's no real competition in the motorsports uh, world for, uh, you know, from IndyCar or Formula One next week. So that could help things out from a viewership perspective. I know Lamont's going on, uh, but it might be done by then. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, so. Yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. It'll be interesting to see, you know, with Chase Elliott coming back, uh, how he races, you know, what's Denny going to do? Is Denny, you know, going to, you know, mess with him during the race? You know, is that going to happen? Are some of our feuds going to come back? We'll see. Cleaning up something real quick. It indeed is uh, Josh Balicki on the entry list for the 78 car. So, Dylan, you uh, you lucked out a little bit there, I would say. Um yeah, I, also wanna, I also want to uh, to point out as well a, a shout out. I thought uh, the last couple of weeks that uh, that Jamie McMurray has done a fantastic job uh, in the announce booth for the Xfinity races. He did the he filled in at the Charlotte race. Of course, they were planning on doing drivers only before that Xfinity race got uh, heavily postponed due to rain. Uh, so they end up not doing drivers only for the Monday resumption. And so Jamie McMurray stepped in to be an analyst for that. I thought did a great job with that. He was an analyst uh, along with Trevor Bain this past weekend for the Xfinity race at Portland. Uh, I thought it once again, he did a great job. And then this weekend he is going to get uh, a big opportunity to be the, uh, the, the third person in the booth with Mike Joy and Clint Boyer. Uh, so a big opportunity there for Jamie Mack, and I've always thought really highly of him as a as you know how he's picked up the TV thing, and super excited for him to get that opportunity. That certainly will be really cool. Well, guys, a uh, exciting weekend at Portland and Gateway behind us now as we look forward to Wine Country, Sonoma, California, for the second road course of the season for the NASCAR Cup and Xfinity Series been a great time having you all here thank you so much for listening here on cloudy with a chance of racing be sure to subscribe rate review uh whatever your favorite podcast platform allows for we would 
Very much appreciate that support. Also, give us a follow on social media at Cloudy Racing Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. For Jake and Dylan, I'm Braxton. Thank you so much. We'll be back with you next week, recapping the lefts and rights of Sonoma here on Cloudy with a Chance of Racing. <laughs>